turning your Bibles to Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7, we're continuing, of course, our study of the, this great book of redemption. And as we begin this evening, and it, I think the next slide tells more about it here. Um, I know Mark is having to run two things tonight up there. We begin seeing God's deliverance of the nation of Israel from bondage in Egypt. For most of the people that when you study the book of Exodus, this is one of the parts that you like, that you want to study the plagues and, and God's judgment and all those things. We'll begin seeing that tonight. God had told Pharaoh, let my people go. And we're going to see from this passage, God begins to judge the nation and the gods of Egypt. Now, the nation of, of Egypt had many gods. We're to understand something that as we look at this, this that the plagues in Exodus are God's judgment on the various gods of the Egyptians. So we're going to see that. So the point is that they would know that the God of Israel is the Lord, is the true God. So as we look at the passage tonight, we'll see God's instructions to Moses and Aaron and their obedience, and they do what God says regardless of what the circumstances. And as also as we look at this tonight, we're going to see a contrast between Pharaoh, who rejects God and hardens his heart, and Moses, who obeys God. And that's really the key in life. When we think about it, we want to be like Moses and Aaron who obey God and not like Pharaoh who, in a sense, had a hard heart. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. There's a lot in this passage. Here's some things that sort of stand out. We're going to see the hardening of hearts, so to speak, the obedience of Moses and Aaron, and then we're going to see the beginning of the plagues, the judgments on the gods of Egypt. So there's a lot there. Let's begin by going to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get into the passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you again for the privilege that we have of coming together to study the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the Bible is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is perfect. It is your word. It is profitable. It is the truth. May we know it and apply it and pass it on to others. Thank you, Lord, for the scripture. We pray, Lord, that as we study tonight, that you will teach us, especially as we look at the books of Exodus, we know the things that were written in the Old Testament were written for our instructions so that we can continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Lord, we just ask you to teach us as we think about Moses and Aaron, and Lord, that's the privilege we have as believers to make an impact for you. Thank you for each each one here tonight. Teach us now, Lord, as we study. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've told this story before, but I just want to, it just is a pretty good picture of what we're going to see in this book. You know, when I was in seminary at Dallas, I'd fly back and forth from Dallas to Amarillo, then I would get in the car and drive to Borger and be down there for the weekend, then drive back on Monday to Amarillo, fly back into Dallas. So I flew a whole bunch, and I can remember one night I was leaving Dallas to fly to Amarillo, and I was taking Hebrew at that time, and I was we were in the book of Ruth, and so I was on the plane, and I had... Hebrew when I was trying to read it, you know, I was trying to learn Hebrew, and I was sitting by this lady, actually, she was, it was, actually, it was unusual, Southwest Airlines, it was a space, and then there was a lady right there, and, and, and she looked, she tapped me on the arm, and I was just trying to just, and she said, are you Jewish? That's Hebrew, I, I'm Jewish, are you Jewish? And I went, no, I'm, I'm, I said, I'm not Jewish, but I, I love Jewish people, and my Savior's Jewish, and I'm trying to learn Hebrew for seminary, because I'm in seminary, and she says, well, uh, I, I'm Jewish, and I started talking to her, and, and we started sharing, and I told her that I believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, that he fit the scripture, that he was the one that the Old Testament talked about, or I actually said the one that the Tanakh talked about that was coming, and, and she said, I don't believe in Jesus, and I said, oh, she said, but I wish I had faith like you, that's what she said. And her name was Miss Fepperman, and she owned, I think, five clothing, country and western clothing stores in Amarillo. And she was telling me all about it, but she kept saying, I just wish I had faith like you. And I said, well, Miss Fepperman, you can. I said, let me ask you this. Would you be willing 
to study the Tanakh, which of course we know is the Old Testament, the Tanakh, to see if Jesus of Nazareth fit the prophecies that the Old Testament talked about and see if he might be the one. And she said, no, I wouldn't even consider it. And uh, after a little bit, I said something else again, and she said, well, my mind is made up. Well, she was closed, and and in a sense, we could say she had a hard heart. She had already made a decision what she thought. She wasn't going to look in the Scripture or any of those things. Well, this evening, we're going to see that Pharaoh has a hard heart. We're going to begin seeing it, that he will not open. He's not open at all to the God of Israel. In fact, if you remember that Pharaoh thinks he's a God, I've given you handouts, and we'll talk more about them in a minute, but I list the, the ten plagues. But remember, the plagues that God brought on the Egyptians, each one of those plagues is a judgment on one of the gods of Egypt. So this is what God is trying to show him, that that there there's only one true God, and that's the God of Israel. So when, when Moses approached him and, and said... God said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? That's basically what he says. Well, this evening we're going to see God begins to deal with Pharaoh. And it's, it's very powerful. God will bring judgment on Egypt and even the Pharaoh. And that's what we, the bottom line is that they would know the true God. Now, let me remind you of something. God told Moses to go. Moses, basically, God told Moses to go. And I want to remind you of something tonight, if you, if you may have not thought about this. You remember, God told Moses to go lead the people out. And Moses gave every excuse in the world. And his last basic excuse was, I don't know how to talk. So God said, okay, your brother Aaron can speak. He will speak. You will tell him what to say, and he will speak. And so Moses and Aaron have gone to Pharaoh, and they've already talked to him about letting the people go. And Pharaoh said, I don't know, I don't know your God. I'm not going to let him go. And he made things worse. And so from the time that Moses went to Pharaoh, things have gotten so much worse for the people. He stopped, stopped giving them straw for brick. All of those things have happened. And, and so, in fact, the people are, are mad at Moses for stirring up trouble, they might say. Oh, they were already slaves. But, I mean, how much worse could it get? But it has got, got a little worse. So in this passage, we're going to see that Moses and Aaron go. But here's the thing I want you to notice. If you picture that Moses has the staff and he goes out to the river, Tonight, when we study the passage, and he waves it, and it turns to blood. Or that Moses has the, the stick, and he throws it down, and it becomes a serpent. You're wrong. Aaron has it. It's Aaron's rod. It is Aaron who does the talking. We'll see it as we go through the passage. Because remember, Moses told God, I, uh, I, I can't talk. Okay, your brother Aaron will talk. We'll see it as we go through the passage. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, we're going to see the background of the hardening of hearts. We're going to see the snake. And then we're going to see the first plague, which is the river of blood. The God, God turns the, the Nile River into blood. Look at Exodus chapter 7. Look at verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I make you as God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Now, when he says that I make you God to Pharaoh, here's what he's saying. He's saying, You're my representative. You're as if I'm speaking to Pharaoh, Moses. You're going to be the one with the authority. And when Moses goes to to uh, Pharaoh, he is going, in a sense, with the authority of God. And he says, notice, that uh, the Lord said to Moses, I will make you as a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Who's going to be doing the talking? Aaron is. And so he's basically saying, Aaron will be your prophet. I think we can put that up there. So Aaron's going to be the spokesman, but basically Aaron gets the message from Moses. So I put it this way, like this. Um, Moses gets information from God, and then Aaron proclaims it to Pharaoh. 
That's what we're going to see happens. Now, have you ever thought about this? Moses was God's representative to Pharaoh, basically. Who is God's representative to the people in this community? We are. Second Corinthians 5.20, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech through us. In reality, we go out, we come together to worship our Savior, to be trained and equipped and all of those things, and then we scatter in this community as the representatives of the living God. We get to go with the great message of Jesus Christ. So notice this. It says, The Lord said to Moses, I See, I'll make you as a God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. And your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh that he let the sons of Israel go out of his land. So notice, you're going to tell Aaron, basically, and Aaron's going to tell Pharaoh. That's sort of what we're going to get as we go through this. The bottom line, let my people go. You know what's so great about it? He says, we don't have to be afraid because God's telling them what to do. And when you look through this passage, there's two truths that sort of stand out, and I want you to see them. It's this way. It's God's... God is sovereign and man has freedom. It goes together. It's one thing you can't totally grasp. The fact that God is sovereignly working in all accounts, all events of the world, and yet you have freedom to make choices. Your choices fit in His sovereign plan and vice versa. All that fits together. So God is sovereign. He works all things according to the counsel's will. Man has freedom. We're going to see all the way through this that it is God working in everything. It is Pharaoh that hardens his heart. And we'll talk more about that as we go through it. God hardens Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh hardens his own heart. We're going to find that Pharaoh hardens his own heart long before God hardens Pharaoh's heart. In fact, God doesn't harden Pharaoh's heart until after about the fifth plague. And we'll see it as we go through. Now, verse 3 is God's telling what he's going to do. Notice, it says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. And so we're going to see that, that he may multiply his signs. The bottom line is Pharaoh hardens his heart and 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 Pharaoh hardens his heart. Then it says, and God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Then Pharaoh hardens his heart and Pharaoh hardens his heart. Then God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Throughout the whole passages in these next five to six chapters, Pharaoh hardens his heart ten times. God hardens Pharaoh's heart ten times. But Pharaoh hardens his heart long before God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Look at verse 4. When Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my host, my people, the sons of Israel, from the land of Egypt by great judgments. Notice, Pharaoh will not listen. Ten times, Pharaoh hardens his heart. I mean, I've had people say, well, Pharaoh didn't have a chance because God made, God wouldn't let him believe anything. No. Pharaoh ten times hardened his own heart. Now, all of this fits together. The sovereign plan is going to come to pass, but each person is responsible to make choices. In God's plan, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Now, notice the last part of the verse when it says, uh, When Pharaoh does not listen to you, I will lay my hand on Egypt. I'll bring out my host, my people, the sons of Israel, from the land of Egypt by great judgments. We always call them plagues. We say, oh, there was the ten plagues and those kind of things. I think the great... But realize that they're judgments. They're judgments on the gods of Egypt and the people of Egypt. The whole point of God... Because God could do this. God could stop every Egyptian, stop them, and the Jewish people could walk right out. It doesn't have to be plagues. It doesn't have to be anything. I mean, if God said, I want my people out of there, all he has to do is just say, okay, no Egyptian can move. All my people can move. They can come out. 
So what is the whole purpose of the plagues and the judgments? They're judgments on the gods of Egypt to show that there is a true God and that the God of Israel is the true God. So it's pretty powerful. Look at verse 5. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Now, if you remember, when you look in the Bible and you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, when you see that, that is the Hebrew name YHWH, which is the personal name of God. We sometimes say Yahweh, but the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. So he says the bottom line is that Egypt will know that I'm the true God, that I'm the eternal, everlasting God. You know, when you talk about the name, L-O-R-D, all capitals, and we know that's Y-H-W-H in Hebrew, and it all comes from the root word Hayah in Hebrew, which is the I am. That's why Moses already, God already told Moses, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. And that's why in the New Testament, when we talk about the seven I am statements found in the Gospel of John, which we're studying on Sunday morning, and he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection of the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. All that I am aspect is, is basically saying... I'm God. I'm God. And so the Egyptians shall know that I am the YHWH, the eternal God, when I stretch out my hands on Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. If you want to talk about it from a human way, there's no possible way, humanly speaking, that a bunch of slaves who are, who are, who are controlled by the most powerful army in the world, there is no possible way that those people can leave. Not humanly speaking. But God says, I'm bringing my people out. In fact, God told Abraham all those years earlier that he would bring them out and he'd bring them out with great riches. You'd say, no, it's impossible for a bunch of slaves to come out. But number two, it's impossible for a bunch of slaves to come out with a whole bunch of riches. We're going to see when we get to the end of these chapters that God's going to bring them out. And the Egyptians, they're going to ask the Egyptians for their gold and silver and their earrings and all that. And they're going to take it off and give it to them. So God works all things. Well, let's see what happens. So, and this is a key. So Moses and Aaron did it as the Lord commanded them. Thus they did. I think the key to the whole thing is the obedience. Moses and Aaron obeyed God. Now, to be real honest, we go back to the burning bush where Moses is on the backside of the desert and God says to him, I want you to take my people out. Moses doesn't want to do it. Moses thinks his time has passed. Moses thought 40 years earlier he was going to be the one to deliver his people. But now it's 80 years. He's 80 years old. And uh, he says, I think my time has passed. And God says, no, your time has not passed. But the key is that Moses and Aaron are obeying. And, and the, the thing that we would ask ourselves is, do we obey the Scripture? Do we live by the Scripture? Do we obey the Word of God? Are we looking at it? Do we see what does it say? How do we live? What do we do? Do we base our lives on the Scripture? Because that's the key. Now, he gives us a little bit more information, which I love. Look at this verse, uh, verse 7. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. I don't know what you picture these guys look like, but one's an 83-year-old man, the other's an 80-year-old man. That's not young. That's not young in any generation except before the flood generation, okay? That's not young. Some people say, when you get a certain age, 
It's about time to check out, you know, to say, look, I've done my thing. How many times have you heard somebody say who's been involved in, in ministry for a while and they're getting older and they say things, it's time for the younger people to take over. I've done what I'm supposed to do. Let me tell you what, it's never time for the younger people to take over. It is never time for you to stop doing your ministry until the Lord takes you off this earth. He uses 80-year-old people, 85-year-old people, 10-year-old people. He uses any age. As long as we're alive on this earth, He will take us and use us for His glory. And so I remember Prof. Hendricks used to talk at Dallas Seminary. He'd say, you know, he's so new, new men, and he says, and they're sliding for home. They are like it's over. they got many years left. No telling how long God has for them, and we're to serve until either, either we die or he comes and gets us all. Now, let's see the first encounter, okay? So here it is. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Work a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take, notice, Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. Who's doing the talking? Actually, Aaron's going to be the one. Moses is telling Aaron what to do. Aaron's going to be, Aaron's got the, the rod. It's Aaron who has the rod. I think maybe Charlton Heston had the rod in the movie, but in, in, in the, in the scripture, it's, it's Aaron, right? So when Pharaoh speaks to you and says, work a miracle, then you say to Aaron, Take your staff, throw it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. You remember, they've already seen this before. When Moses was out in the wilderness and he, and he had this, the, the, the pole, God said, throw it down. He threw it down. It became a snake. He ran from it. God said, go pick it up. He picked it up and it became, he said, that's a sign. So here we're going to give a sign to Pharaoh. This is not a plague. This is a sign. So he says, when he says, work a miracle, tell Aaron to throw down the staff that it will become a serpent. And... This is, this is the, the thing. So watch what happens. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and thus they did just as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. It became a snake, right there, just like that. And, uh, I imagine they all jumped back from it, just like Moses did the first time that he threw his down. But watch. Then Pharaoh called for the wise men and the sorcerers. And they also, the magicians of Egypt, they did the same thing with their secret arts. It said, uh, and, and by the way, I just want you to remember, what, what is Pharaoh's response going to be when he throws down this stick and it becomes a snake? But do we think Mo, uh, Pharaoh will go, oh boy, what was I thinking? Your God must really be God. And he's already told him. He's not, remember, he's already told him. I think the next slide has it. God has already told them that he's going to have a hard heart. We've already seen this so far. They, they shouldn't expect that Pharaoh's going to go, you're right. Your God is God. I mean, boy, if you can make, take a stick and make it a snake, or, and, you know, that's pretty dead gum good. No, he says, no, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to call in my magicians, my sorcerers, my wise men, and they did the same thing with their secret arts. Now, who are these people? Well, the wise men were, were the learned men, the sorcerers, the occult and magic and magicians. They, they, they were called engravers. They made up magic things. They did the same thing. Look at verse 12. But each one, each one threw down his staff, and they turned into serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Now, there's two things I want you to think about. First of all, they, they throw theirs down, and they become snakes too. And you'd say, good night, how did they do that? We'll talk more about it in a second. But what happened? Aaron's snake went over and ate theirs up. I, I, 
they've pretty much lost their their sticks, if you know what I mean, right? Okay, so wh- why would why would that happen? Well, it's, it's I think uh, number one is to show that God is more powerful than whatever they're doing. Now, how in the world could they do this? Could it could it just be a trick? Could it be somehow that? In fact, there's there's some stories that I read as you do all the background and all the study that sometimes there were ways that they would hold certain snakes by the neck and it would paralyze them and they look like a stick and then when they threw them on the ground they would move and so they pretended that this you know was a stick when it wasn't. It was just a snake that was paralyzed. Second is, some say, well, it was just probably something from Satan. Something from the occult. Because remember, notice it says the sorcerers, the magicians, and, and so maybe, you know, they did that. But here's what God does. He says, you may, you may do that, but the real snake from Moses and Aaron is going to eat those up. And he did. Now watch the response by Pharaoh. What do you think it's going to be? Right? We already know, don't we? Look at the response. Yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord said. So far, all the way through, it's never said yet that God, God hardened Pharaoh. Now, it has said back in verse 3 that God was going to harden his. But up to this point, Pharaoh's doing all of the hardening. So here we go. They, they, uh, they, they did this. Now, what was the purpose? No, because we're going to see that he didn't listen. But the purpose of all the plagues, the purpose of what we're going to see, starting here in chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, these next chapters, all of this is for the glory of God and for Egypt to see that the Lord is God. It would be better. Now, I, I didn't tell him when we typed this in, but it would probably be better if it was capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, just to show that this is what the same the Scripture says. You don't have to change it. I just want you to know that when you think about it, this passage is talking about the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the, the personal name of God. So watch what happens. We're now ready for the plagues. We're going to see the encounter. The second encounter is the first of the ten plagues. And I have the handout for you. And let me just, uh, if you got it, just look at it for just one second. I've got two different things there. They're really the, the same. Uh, one is, if you want to just look at this one, uh, just list the ten plagues and sort of little drawings of what they are. Water turned to blood and the frogs and the gnats and the flies and the disease and the livestock and the boils and the hell and the fire and the locusts, the darkness, the death of the firstborn. That's those ten and that's sort of little pictures. The second thing I have for you is a little bit more detailed, the plagues, and it shows the ten plagues, it shows whether there was a warning or not, because sometimes they warned Pharaoh. They said, we're going to turn the river to blood, and Pharaoh's going, oh, who cares, or, or, or we're going to do this. Sometimes there was no warning, so I have that for you. shows the plague and basically shows you which god of Egypt that the plague was on. Like when we see turning the, the Nile to blood, they worshipped the Nile River. That When they had the frogs, there was a goddess who actually had a, had a, a woman's body with a frog's head. That was something they worshipped. Uh, the, the gnats were the god of the earth that they were judging. Uh, think about the livestock. They, they worshipped a bull. When uh, when they the uh, the darkness that, that was Ra the sun, so all of the plagues that we see in these next weeks as we go through this, all of these are judgments on the gods of Egypt. So you can just keep this hand out, and as you study on your own, or as we come in here, you can see all that as well. Well, here comes the first one, and watch verse fourteen. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn; he refuses to let the people go. Now, who's who's doing the stubbornness here? 
It's Pharaoh. It's not God. It's Pharaoh. Notice it's Pharaoh who has made his heart hard. Ten times Pharaoh makes his heart hard. Watch the plan. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he's going out to the water. Station yourself to meet him on the the bank of the Nile, and you shall take in your hand the staff that was turned into a serpent. Now, he says, I want you to get up in the morning, and I want you to go out to the Nile River, and I want you to wait for Pharaoh to come out, and I want you to be there on the bank of the Nile River, and, and here's what we're going to do. Now, why, why, why is he going out there? We'll see that he's going out there really to, to, some people say he's going out there to bathe. Possibly, but most likely he's going out there as an act of worship. And so it says, uh, you shall say to him, the Lord... The God of the Hebrews sent me to say, to, sent to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But behold, you have not listened until now. Once again, it's the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, the eternal God. That's what they're saying. He's saying, you're not listening to God. And he's making it very clear, the God of the Hebrews. When you look through the scripture, you realize that God at a point in time in history chose a man by the name of Abram, told him to leave the earth of Chaldees and go to a land that he would show him and then a land that he would give him. The beginning from Abram on, Abram, God changed his name to Abraham. That's the beginning of what we call the Jewish people, Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob through the 12 sons and on down to Judah and on down to David and all the way down to Christ. This people group, (coughs) the Jewish people, they are God's people. Chosen to do two, two incredible things for sure, many other things, but to bring the Word of God and to bring the Messiah. Through the Jewish people came Jesus Christ, our Savior. Through the Jewish people came the Word of God. That's through those people. So he says, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews. If you remember, we've taught this before, the word Hebrew means one who crosses over. They were called the Hebrews because they had one time left the earth of the Chaldees, which is modern-day Iran, Iraq. They had crossed over the Tigris-Euphrates River, so they were known as the crosser-overs, the Hebrews. Later on, they became known as the Israelites because Jacob's name was changed from Jacob to Israel, and so they became Israelites. And then... We're going to see later on, of course, they'll be called Jews because the nation of Israel divided into two parts, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and the nickname for those in the south were Jews after Judah. So that's the different names of the Jewish people. He said, you shall say to them, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, the crosser-overs, sent me to say to you, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But you hadn't listened until now. You haven't listened. Watch. Thus says the Lord, by this You shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the water that is in the Nile with the staff that is in my hand, and it will be turned to blood. The fish that are in the Nile will die, and the Nile will become foul, and the Egyptians will find difficulty in drinking water from the Nile. He said, notice, you will know that I am the Lord. This is the beginning of the judgments. Now, let's think about the reason for the plagues, and we've talked about it already. It's judgments on the gods of Egypt. It is so that Egypt would know that the Lord is God, that he would show his power, and he would punish the Pharaoh. Those four things tie together. Now, what's going to happen? The water's going to turn to blood. Now, it's, it's not something that just happened, but notice this. It's something that's extraordinary. It's something that Moses predicts, and it's on Egypt and God's. And, and we'll see that with every one of the plagues. I mean, are there frogs in Egypt? Were there frogs in the Nile? And she says, yes. But there were millions of frogs when he brought the frogs in. They were in the houses. They were, he said, they'll be in your beds. They'll be in your bedrooms. Were there flies in Egypt? 
Yes, but when he strikes them, the flies go, they're all over everything. They're gnats all over everything. The hailstorm comes and destroys everything. All the cattle, I mean, it, it, it's all, they're all extraordinary. Moses predicts them, and it's on Egypt and the gods. So it's an amazing thing. Watch what happens. Now read it carefully. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to, notice, Aaron, Take your staff. He's talking to Aaron. Aaron's got the staff. Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, over the streams, over the pools, over all the reservoirs of water, that they may become blood. And there will be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in the vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Aaron, take the the rod, take the staff, stretch it out over all the waters. And he's going to go and he's going to stretch them over the Nile and over everything. And he says it's going to all turn to blood. And so verse 20, so Moses and Aaron did even as the Lord had commanded. He lifted up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of the servants. And all the water that was in the Nile was turned to blood. The fish that were in the Nile died and the fish became, and the, the Nile became foul. So the Egyptians could not drink the water from the Nile and the blood was throughout all the land of Egypt. You hear all kind of people say, well, I mean, it couldn't have been blood and things like that. So it might have been some chemical change somehow. Maybe, maybe something got into the water briefly for a time. No, it was God changing the water to blood. And everything in there died. And they couldn't drink it. And they got, think how it smelled. Have you thought about what it smelled like? And and they just went, oh my gracious. And, and it became foul. And the Egyptians couldn't drink it. And everybody was probably looking around. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Now watch this next thing. Because... It's actually a little bit funny what the what they do. The, the, the magicians of Egypt did the same thing with their secret hearts. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He did not listen to them as the Lord said. Listen, what did they do? I mean, don't we already have enough water that's turned to blood? So why do you want the... You know, they said, we can do the same thing. It's a big deal. All the water's already blood anyway. You know, if you really wanted to do something good, magicians, why don't you change it back to water, Right? The magicians, he did the same thing with their secret hearts, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. Magicians did the same thing. As I said, I, I think I have this thing up here that says, if, if, if they really wanted to show power, why didn't they just change it back to water? If they got power, just take the water that's become blood and switch it back to water. If you really want to show what they did. But they said, no, we can make more blood. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what we need. More blood water is what we need. You ever wondered who these people were? I think the next slide, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, this is what it says. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so there will be men who oppose the truth, men of depraved minds rejected as regard to the faith. The best we can tell, when Paul wrote in Second Timothy 3, he listed two people at the time of Moses named Janus and Jambres. Many believe that these two men were the main leaders of the magicians of Egypt who opposed Moses. That's what we th- we don't know. That's, we just know we got these names. The response by Pharaoh, harden his heart. Verse 23, Pharaoh turned and went to his house with no concern for all of this. What about the people? What about the Egyptians? Look what it says. All the Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink. They couldn't find, could not drink of the water of the Nile. Seven days passed after the Lord had struck now, now, when we study through these passages, I want you to understand that the plagues didn't stay there all the time. In other words, when the river turned to blood, it didn't stay for blood all the time. 
probably about seven days. We're going to see that when he brought in the flies, then he brought them out. When he brought in the locusts, they brought them out. When the hailstorm brought in, I mean, so they weren't continuous, ongoing all the time. They just happened. They dug, but they couldn't find any water to drink. And now, why does he say seven days passed? Well, because seven days are going to be another plague. And we'll see that as we study it next time. And if you want to look ahead, you can begin to read ahead of of these things because it's got some of the verses and the passages, and you can see how things fit together. What have we seen tonight, the beginning of the judgment? Instructions by God to go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh will not listen. The first encounter was the snake and the magicians copied it. The second encounter uh, is the first plague, the judgment on the Nile, judgment on the gods of Egypt. And the magicians copied it, but in reality we're going to find that, I mean, if everything was already blood, what did they do? You know, and then we're going to see Pharaoh with the hard heart. Let me give you some applications to think about and we'll open up for any questions or anything yet. First one is, think about the sovereignty of God. Just rest in the sovereign plan of God. He's working all things according to the counsel of His will. As we go through life, we have to trust Him. He's working all things. Just like when, when all of this happened and Moses first went to Pharaoh, things got worse and the Jewish people got all mad. They said, what, what, what are you doing? But in the plan of God, this is how God is going to deliver the people. We have to trust God in both the good and the bad. There's ups and downs. There's always ends and outs. We have to trust Him. He's a great God, a good God. He's in control, so rest in Him. Second, let's obey God. Let's live by the Scripture. Because that's what Moses and and Aaron did that. They said they did what God told them to do. They obeyed. Well, how do we know what to do? Well, we study the Scripture. We know it. We apply it. We live it out and we pass it on. What do we have to do is understand the Scripture. That's one reason at Countryside our goal is to teach the Bible verse by verse, passage by passage, expository teaching so that we can know it's Scripture, we can apply it, and then we can pass it on to other people. And that's really our goal. And so in a fallen world, we need to be the people who live by the Scripture. Because not everybody does. We want to bring glory to Him. There's a third part. And I just threw it in there and think about it this way. Don't harden your heart to God. Now, let, let's talk about this. Because I'm, I'm, the, the assumption, and we'd look out this room, we'd say everybody in this room knows Jesus Christ as Savior. But there are some, as far as the whole issue of salvation, they harden their heart. They've hardened their hearts. They, they say, I don't believe that. Oh, I don't believe the Bible. I don't listen to this. Like Miss Feverman. She said, no, no, I'm not going to look at the Scripture to see if Jesus might be the right one. I'm not going to do that. And, and for some that we come in contact with every day, they, they've already got hard hearts. That doesn't mean they can't trust Christ. But I'm just saying that some people harden their hearts and they won't listen. They already make up their mind. They think they, think they already know. My prayer is that uh, they won't harden their hearts, especially toward the issue of salvation. They'll see what the Scripture has to say. The second part is for Christian life, and, and that's, that's us. Because sometimes it's easy that as you go, when I say easy, easy, that things maybe not be right, that what you consider right, or things aren't going the way you think they ought to go. And I've heard people sometimes say, well, if that's the way God's going to be, I'm not really interested in that. And you have to say, wait a minute, God knows what he's doing. We may not like it. It may not look like we think it's right, but he works all things according to the counsel of his will, and he works everything together for good. Those that love God, those that are called according to his purpose. So we want to let, let him work through our lives and not be hardened against him, but trust him because he does, he does everything in his time in a perfect way. So may we rest in the sovereign plan of God, not having a hard heart, but obeying him, bringing glory to his name, 
as we seek to be ambassadors, be his representatives. Let's pray. If you've got questions or comments, we'll, we'll do that. Heavenly Father, what a night. What a passage. Thank you, Lord, as we see your mag- majesty and your power and your glory as Moses and Aaron go before uh, before Pharaoh representing you. And, and, Lord, we just have to trust you in all the events of life, the things that are good and the things that are bad. We just have to trust you. And, Lord, just as Moses and Aaron obeyed you, they did exactly what you told them to do. May we live according to the Word of God and live our lives based on Scripture, knowing and applying the Word, living it out, passing it on to others. May we do that. Lord, we have to trust you and not harden our hearts and realize that what you're doing is perfect and best. We just may not see it all even at this time. Lord, thank you for allowing us to study the book of Exodus, see these truths. May we make application in our lives and may we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, any questions, comments, anything about the passage tonight? Anything? Yes. I think the... No, I think it's going to be a few months because we're going to see that it's like going through the spring because the last of the plague, you'll remember, is going to be Passover. So it's going to be in what would be our March, April. So best we can tell, it probably... Uh, and I mean, I'll do some more study, but I think the last time I've really looked at that in detail, I'm thinking that it was a couple of months at the most, because see, this first one lasted just a week, and then they're going to bring in, you know, these the the, the flies or the gnats or the frogs, and and you know, the frogs are going to drive them crazy, and then they're going to be gone, and then something's going to happen, and then so I, I'm thinking best I can remember, and I'll try to see if I can look it up and put, but but I'm thinking a, like a season. Maybe like the spring is basically when this happened. We know it 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 it, uh, it comes to the end when Pharaoh's son dies, when the death of the firstborn, which is Passover, so it'd be the fourteenth day of the first month. It'd be corresponding to our March, April. So that's so we know it's got to take place in the spring. It's not it's definitely it's not winter for sure. When there, it's not a winter time when they're there, we know it's the springtime, huh? Well, no, it, no, but I'm saying it's not what we would call. Uh, uh, December, January, February, at that because we know it's going to end in in fourteenth day of the first month, Passover. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good point. What else? What else? Got a question? Huh? He is. Aaron was eighty three, and Moses was eighty. So Aaron was three years older, and their sister Miriam was older than both of them. That's why the best we can understand is when the decree came that all boy babies born, when the Pharaoh made the decree that all boy boy babies had to be killed, that had to be after Aaron was born. Because he didn't didn't have to be killed. But Moses was supposed to be killed. So it happened after after Aaron was born, within that three-year time period, they came in there and made the change. And Pharaoh said, any boy baby born has got to be thrown in the river, thrown in the Nile. So best we can tell, as we talked about earlier, that Moses' mother, Jochebed, decided she would throw Moses in the river because she would obey what the Pharaoh said, but he didn't say anything about not putting him in a basket. And that's what she did. She put him in the river. That's what the decree was, but she put him in a basket. What else? Any other questions or input? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just listening to all this and everything that you're talking about, and really kind of what was on my heart is, do you think that the plagues that were in Egypt is, has relationship something to do some sort of type or shadow of the things that's going to come upon this world for people's failure to obey the Lord and accept Him as Savior. 
Well, we definitely, you could say that God's judgment on Egypt and their rebellion against the Lord could be a foreshadow of God's ultimate judgment on the world during the tribulation time period. I don't know if the individual plagues have any particular foreshadow, but there will be plagues during the, the tribulation time period. So there's no doubt that how God judged Egypt could be a foreshadow of God's ultimate judgment of the world, especially during the tribulation time period. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, good good idea. What else? Yeah, okay, let me see if I can hear you. Okay. The Nile River was considered a god. Yeah, they worship. Yes, they worship the Nile River because they said we get life from the Nile because without the water... They, they couldn't live. Without the water, they didn't have their crops, their land. And so they actually believed that the Nile River was a god. In the same way that, I mean, think about it. If, you, if you'll think a god is a, uh, a woman's body with a frog head, if that's a god, I guess you could believe the river is a god. Or if you believe that a fly was a god, or if you f- believe a cow was a god, if you believe the sun was a god, certainly, I mean, you know, well, the river's good too, so let's... You know, and of course, and they actually believed that Pharaoh himself was a god, and his firstborn son would be the next god. So that's one reason the last plague was the big one, and it was the judgment on on Pharaoh himself, who claimed to be God. I do not know. I, I looked at that. She asked, why do we think God allowed the magicians to do similar miracles? And, you know, we could say, well, here's why. But we really don't know. There's a possibility that maybe, see, the first miracle was snakes, but Aaron's ate them up. And the second one is they, they changed the water to blood. But the truth is, you don't need water changed to blood. It's already changed to blood. I don't even know how they proved that they changed water to blood when it says already that all the water that everybody looked at was blood. Unless they said, well, we just did this right here. You know, they're going to do the same thing on the third one. But when it gets to the fourth one, they can't match it. And they tell Pharaoh, this is from God. And then he begins to separate it out. Because, see, when the river Nile turned to blood, that affected the Jewish people too. But when you get to the fourth plague, it only goes on the Jew, on the non-Jews, Jewish, excuse, yeah, on the Egyptians, the Jews aren't affected by the plagues after that. He he makes them separate. That's why when the darkness comes, which is the next to the last one, Jewish people can see, but people in Egypt can't see. It's too dark. But only in the land of Goshen can they see. So it's amazing things. Uh, I think that you know, it, just in my assumptions of looking through this and studying, it could be that he wanted. To, to show that what these gods were doing, it was all counterfeits. And it wasn't real because the, the snake ate it up or where's, where, where's the real water? I mean, you know, what, what did you, and if you really, when the, when the Egyptians said, we can make frogs too, then I'd say, why don't you do something like get rid of the frogs if you really want to show how good you are? Because we've already got enough frogs, you know. It definitely attributes to the hardening of his heart because when he sees that, he walks away. Says it two different times. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. 
Right, right. And there's always always been false gods. We know that there's no other God. There's only one God. Anything else is not a God, even though mankind calls them gods. Uh, that's what Paul talked about. He says there's only one God, but man calls other things gods, and so they're false gods in that way.